Um, so today we are continuing this kind of deep dive that we've been doing in the book of Matthew, and we've been seeing what we can learn about Jesus, and we've been seeing how that affects our lives as we follow Jesus. And so today um, we're in chapter 5. It's one of the most famous teachings in history. It's the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount begins with a list of blessings that we call the Beatitudes. And that word really just means blessings, the Beatitudes. So Jesus has just, we talked about this last week, Jesus has just announced the thing he came to announce. Jesus has just said that the kingdom of God is near. We spent a lot of time on this last week. This is the hinge. This is the pivot point of all eternity because the Messiah, the Messiah has come. And he has come to recreate what sin and Satan decreated, which was God's beautiful plan. He's come to reverse the curse and put back in motion God's amazing plan for God and man to be really together and in paradise and ruling his good world um, for eternity. And so Jesus is he's teaching all over and he's healing everybody. And that's where we're picking it up. This is Matthew 5, 1. It says, one day as Jesus saw the crowds gathering, he went up to the mountainside and sat down and his disciples gathered around him. Let's stop there for a sec. Who are we, who are we talking about here? Um, the disciples. Is this, is this the 12? Don't yell it out if you're not sure. Right? It, it's probably not the 12 because he's going he's gonna to call some of them a little bit later on. Um, Matthew tells us right after this talk that the crowds were amazed at his teaching. So this isn't, he's not talking to five or six people or 10 or 12 people. This is all of the people who are following him. This is this great crowd of people that is following him around now. And in fact, later, Matthew's gonna, well, he's gonna give us some demographics here in just a second um, of who they are. But we know he started with four fishermen, right? They're, in, they're, they're probably in the crowd. Not really the elite class, financially or culturally or religiously. And now it's just this huge crowd of people. And so we kind of get a breakout of who they are, a little like demographics of them. If we look up it's this far on your page and look at Matthew 4.23, just before all this, it says, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And news about him spread as far as Syria, and people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed, or epileptic, or paralyzed, he healed them all. And large crowds followed him wherever he went. So Jesus is being followed by this huge crowd of people. Are they healthy people? No. Are they strong people? Are they rich people? Are they famous people? Are they beautiful people? Are they well-respected people? Are they famous politicians or athletes or movie stars or social media influencers? No, right? Are they, are they famous preachers or religious leaders of the day? No. The crowd is made up of, of sick people and broken people and crippled people and people that are paralyzed, people that are having seizures, People that other people are saying are crazy or are demon-possessed, and some of them are. They're people that are not able to support themselves. They're people that aren't even able to take care of themselves. 
And I'm going to tell you that in first century Rome, people like that did not fare well. They didn't have Medicaid, right? They didn't have government programs to help people that can support themselves. So these people, like in the margins, these, these broken, sick people, the Romans just like ignored them. So, so to the Romans, if you didn't produce, right, if you didn't succeed, you didn't matter. And you didn't maybe even exist. That's the way the Romans saw this group of people. And I'll tell you who saw them even worse than that is the Jews. Because the Jews in Rome saw these people, they, they saw all the disease and all the brokenness in those people as being a punishment that God had sent on them. So their perspective of these people, they looked down on them. All the people in the margins, these were, these were sinners. These are people that are unworthy of God. So Jesus is surrounded by this great crowd, a huge group of people, and it is not the upper crust, right? It's the, it's the poor and the broken and the hurt and, and, the, and the marginalized and sick, sad, humble people that are under attack from hell and basically ignored by society and were thought of as being less than anybody else. Chapter five, verse two, and he began to teach them. And he said, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. And God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. And God blesses those that are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they'll see God. And God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. And God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. The kingdom of heaven is theirs, and God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you're my followers, be happy about it. Be very glad for the great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. So what is that, right? What, 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 what's happening here? Jesus is pronouncing Nine blessings. He's just said the kingdom of heaven is coming, right? And he's, and he's telling us about these kingdoms that will happen, or these blessings that will happen in the kingdom of heaven. So in the kingdom, people will receive mercy and they will be satisfied and they will be comforted and they will see God and they'll be called his children and they will inherit his kingdom. And so we've read these things a million times, right? Some of you had these on the wall of your Sunday school room as a kid or in your own room at your house. And I'll tell you this, for most of my life, I read this passage as like a formula, right? So if you, if you want the kingdom of heaven, right? If you wanna receive mercy and be satisfied and be comforted and see God, these are the things you have to do, right? These are the, these are the entrance requirements, right? So here's what this made me think of. Um, so my grandson Graydon is 14 now. 10 years ago, when he was four years old, his parents took him to Disney World. And I'm telling you, I mean, his dad's in ministry, so. That's a, that's a pretty pricey thing to do for somebody that's in ministry. So he saved his money for years to take Graydon to Disney World. And so they get him there and they go into Disney World and they're going around and they had a really great time. And then they realized that before they could get on any of the rides, they had to pass this sign and it was Mickey Mouse. And it said, if you're going on this ride, you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> there it is, you gotta be this high, right? If you're this tall, it is gonna be awesome, man. It is gonna, it's gonna change your life. It is gonna rock your world. You're gonna have, 
what, 35 seconds of pure adrenaline and excitement and terror or whatever it is, if you qualify, right? If you're as tall as Mickey, if you're not as tall as Mickey, then you're out, right? And you go to, it's a small world, <laughs> which stinks, right? So here's the problem, 48 inches, they've saved for years, Graydon is 47 and a half inches tall. So they did what any Christian, <laughs> honest, safety-loving people would do. They took some paper napkins <laughs> and folded them up and put them in a shoe. And just don't judge. <laughs> That's not what this is about. <laughs> some people are going, That's horrible. I'm going to talk to Mike after church today. <laughs> and some people are saying, That is not bad. I'm writing that one down. We're going <laughs> We're going next year. So I thought that's what the Beatitudes were. You know, I thought, like, if you meet these standards, if you can be merciful enough, if you can be pure enough in heart, if you, you're going to have these amazing, incredible blessings, you're going to be called God's children, and you're going to see him, and you're going to inherit the kingdom of God. But if you want the blessings, you're going to have to qualify. And I really thought that's what the Beatitudes meant. It's like you gotta be these things. You gotta have these attitudes if you wanna get into heaven. And at, and at judgment, these virtues, right, these attitudes will save you. And here's the problem with that theology, Ephesians 2.8. Ephesians 2.8 says God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation's not a reward for the good things that we've done so nobody can boast about it. God saved us for his kingdom by his grace and not because we're humble enough or meek enough or make enough peace or, or we're hungry enough for righteousness. So if, the, if it's not, it's the, it's the best teaching in history, right? It's, this, is, this, is, this is his opening remarks to the greatest sermons in history if it's not a formula, if it's not a list of requirements, then like, what is this list of blessings? And, and he is talking about the blessings of the kingdom of heaven. That, and, and pretty much everything Jesus is gonna say for the next three years is about the kingdom of heaven. So he, that's, it is a list of the blessings of the kingdom of heaven. Um, but this isn't Jesus laying out the requirements uh, to get into heaven. It's something made more surprising I think than that. He, he's not saying the kingdom of heaven is coming and this is what you have to do to get in. He's saying the kingdom is coming and you won't believe who's on the guest list. Because in our world, in, in this world, it's the A-list, right? It's, it's the, 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 the people first invited to anything are the pretty people. You know, the beautiful people and the healthy, powerful, strong, smart, rich, whole, confident, happy winners. They're the first ones we invite, and that's why we call them the A-list, right? And even in, even in Christianity, like, haven't you heard people say, oh, I'm going to go and see Hillsong, the greatest worship team 
right? I'm going to go to a Bethel concert. And I've been to those things. I love those things. But isn't it interesting how we, we don't say I'm going to go have this amazing worship experience with 10,000 of my closest friends. We say, I'm going to go see Hillsong. Isn't it amazing how people will go to a conference or something if they're going to have this amazing pastor, this incredible preacher from this giant church? Isn't it amazing how people will say, you know, we need somebody to do this. Let's, let's get Mike. Let's get Mike. Everybody knows he's like a superstar on Team Jesus, right? He's, let's, let's see if we can get Mike to come to this thing. It's like, even in church, the A-listers, right? These are the people that have it, the it factor, right? They got the, what, the looks? Not Mike. The money, <laughs> right? They got, they got, you know, they're, they're talented and they're popular. They have the, the religious credentials and they're, they're the important ones in this world. But Jesus is saying in the coming kingdom of God, the first ones on the guest list are the poor and the humble and the sad and the persecuted, not, not the ones that always fit in and everybody loves them, the ones that are mocked and persecuted and not, not the ones that look like super Christians in their news feed, but the ones that are pure in heart and not the ones who always fit in with this sinful world, but the ones whose hearts are broken by the brokenness of this sinful world, not the ones that attack and dominate and knock down anybody in their way, the ones who work for peace. So if we can get the scene, Jesus is surrounded by a huge crowd of hurting, humble, sad, marginalized, persecuted people who were never asked to be the team captain who were never asked to be the class president or the homecoming queen, who were never asked to be the office manager or the vice president, who were never seen as worthy of being in a leadership role at their church. And he says to these broken people that are following him, who've been left out, who've been forgotten about their whole lives, who were always told that they weren't good enough, they weren't smart enough, they weren't pure enough, they weren't young enough. They weren't old enough. They weren't religious enough. And Jesus lays out the kingdom of heaven and he says, I'm describing you. You're blessed. You, the poor and the weak and the, and the broken and the sad and the humble and the persecuted, I came to bring the kingdom of heaven and the blessings of the kingdom of heaven to you. While we're chewing on that, you guys want to see something cool? Um, so this is um, kind of a weird illustration. So there's, there's, I saw this illustration somebody else used, and I really thought it was appropriate for this passage, and it's about these artists. Um, their names are Ben Noble and Sue Webster. They're British, I think. And um, if you go to their website, um, they're not Christian artists. Just beware. Okay, um, anyway, and you know how artists work in a certain medium, right? Oh, oil, watercolors, clay, whatever they work in. And this, these artists work in a different um, medium. They work in trash, and they work in light. So when it, if you can imagine, you walk in, you pay your money, right, to get into an art gallery, and you walk into a room, and you see that. 
It's a, it's a table full of, of trash. And if you're like me, what I would do is go in there and pretend I understood what it was. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah, I, yeah, that's brilliant. You know, I try to act like I know what I'm looking at, but deep down you'd be thinking, I paid $9.95 to get in here. Right? <laughs> and so you walk into the room and everybody stands around and you look at this trash and you look at it and you're, it's trash, man. It's trash. But then somebody flips on these specifically placed spotlights directed at the trash and it creates a shadow. And this light we see is not trash. It's the kingdom, right? It's, it's New York City. And look at this other one. You look at this one. It's, what is it? It's, it's, a, it's a pile of trash. It's a pile of trash. But in the right light, in the perfect light, we can see that it's actually human beings. So, cool, huh? Anyway, <laughs> Jesus is giving us some, he's got really good news for these people that are so broken and so humble and so sick and persecuted. People that nobody noticed. People who people thought were insignificant. People who the first century Roman world sees as trash. And he's, he's shining his perfect light on them. And he's saying, I came to bring the kingdom of God for you. It's not a list of requirements. There's a great quote. This is from the Brazos Bible Commentary on Matthew. Too often these characteristics, like meekness, humility, peacemaking, mercy, have in Christian history been turned into virtual, uh, uh, virtues or ideals that we must strive to attain. And when we do that, we turn them into formulas that help us gain status and favor with God, which is the opposite of what Jesus is trying to say. Rather, these are descriptions of the kinds of people to whom Jesus first brought the kingdom of God. And nowhere does Jesus tell us to try to be poor or to mourn all the time or to try to get yourself persecuted. He simply announces the great surprise that these people who are not significant are honored in their society are precisely the ones who have received the honor to be called first into God's kingdom. Jesus has come. We said it a thousand times. He's announcing the good news. And the good news is God's kingdom is coming. And he's saying to these people and you guys, you, if you're, uh, Jesus in the Texan translation, y'all, right? Y'all, the poor and the sick and the broken and the persecuted and the less than perfect, the marginalized and forgotten, y'all are honored in God's kingdom. You're, you're our first choice, right? You're, you're the A-list. You're the ones that I'm shining my light on. And when I do, people will see the kingdom. And people will see what humanity was meant to be. And in, in the kingdom, people like you will fit in way better than you fit in here. 
because realistically in this world, we're told to win, right? We're told to achieve. We're told to outdo, to, to be independent, to, to pull yourself up, to you know, take names and kick butt and go out and get yours. And even if you, if you earn it, if you steal it, you do whatever it takes to make a name for yourself, right? That's this world. And, and, and don't let the brokenness of this world get you around. It's not that, I mean, just distract yourself with stuff, with achievements, with social media. So, you know, some of the winners of this world, some of the healthy and strong and successful and rich and powerful and beautiful, they, they, they can still be part of the kingdom of heaven. But remember what Jesus said about the rich young ruler? Remember what he said about that guy? He said, it is really hard for the rich or the powerful or the beautiful or the successful to enter the kingdom of heaven because sometimes their faith is in themselves or their achievements or their success or their stuff or their money or their beauty instead of being in me. So Jesus is saying some of the people that killed it in this world are gonna have a hard time even getting in to the kingdom of heaven. And some of the people that are gonna fit right into the kingdom of heaven are gonna be people who didn't look that great here. And he's saying that to this huge group of broken people. <laughs> These people that's, that are following him because of their brokenness, right? That's why they came, because they see that they're sick, and they see that they're broken, that's why they came to him. They know that they need him. And he's saying to them, the kingdom of heaven starts with you. I came for you. It's, it's you. So listen, Jesus followers. How many Jesus followers here today? Real quick. Listen, this is good news, man. Because it's us. He came for us. He established his kingdom for us. It, not, not the ones that think they have it figured out. Not the ones that think that they're healthy. The ones that know that they're broken. The ones that see our need for him. And he gives us this like nine attribute description, right? But it's not a list of nine different kinds of people. It's like, it's like a mosaic, right? It's like a, it's, a, it's, it's a composite picture of us because we're, we're poor in spirit. All of us as Jesus followers know that we're, we're nothing without Jesus. And in case we didn't know that, the world has helped us remember that, right? Because some of us have been put down by people to the point that we started to believe that we are defined by our shortcomings. And we've been crushed by bullies at school and at work and on social media and at home and even at church. We've been marginalized and defined by our finances, by our success, or by our past, or by our looks, or by our weight, or by our failure. Even in church, even in church, some of us have been told that we are less than in our faith, that we don't deserve God's grace, or God's love, or God's attention. We can't do anything for God. We can, you can't do anything for God. That's for the super saints, man. That's for the big deal preachers and deacons. That's for the people that talk real holy and use all the right words when they pray. That's for the people that never mess up. That's for the people that never fail. And I think some of us have heard that so much and so often and for so long 
that it has stripped us of our true identity and our, our true wealth and our true value to the point we don't even see ourselves as children of the king. We see ourselves as insignificant and unimportant and less than. But Jesus says the kingdom belongs to us. We hunger and thirst for justice and righteousness. You know why? Because there ain't much around us. Right? That's, that's, what, we, that's what we hunger for. That's what we thirst for, something that's scarce. Right? Something, something that's lacking, something that's missing. You know, on, at 4 o'clock p.m. on Thanksgiving Day, you're not hungering for turkey, right? And that's, it's not scar- that's not scarce, right? We, we, we hunger for what we don't have. We hunger and thirst for what's, for what's lacking. And in this world, real justice and real goodness and righteousness are scarce. And I think some people just accept that and they just give up on real goodness and they go along with what the world is calling good and they just join in with that but but not us we hunger for real justice and for real righteousness and it crushes us to see how corrupted people are and how corrupted God's world has become and I guess some people I think just look away from the brokenness of the world or they anesthetize themselves with popularity or possessions or success or busyness but we not us we we can't do that we we mourn right we mourn the loss of god's good creation do you ever do you ever like just look at the depravity all around us and the perversion of everything that's beautiful and the hate that people have for each other, and the way we just ignore the suffering around us, and the way that people use each other. I mean, children are being sold like toys. People are so intent on winning in business or in politics that they cancel, right? They crush, they vilify anybody that gets in their way. You're, I mean, your newsfeed, my newsfeed, is full of the utter corruption of it seems like everybody in power. And we got priests and pastors abusing the weakest, most vulnerable people for their own pleasure, and then they, they just throw them in the trash. These are real people that needed their help, that trusted them, that that thought they would see God in them. Do you ever look at that stuff and just Think of the, the depravity and the corruption and the perversion and the hate in this world and just want to cry. It's, it's because you're hungry. You're thirsting. You're starving for goodness and justice and righteousness. And so some people get mad about it and they start fights or they start fires or some people just get like really high and mighty and religious, and like, well, I'm above all that. I'm not, you know, I'm not part of the problem. That's, that's not me, but, but not us, because we're meek, and we're humble, and we realize that on our own, we're powerless to fight our own depravity. 
because we're broken too. We're just like those sick, broken people following Jesus. And we see that he's our only hope that we have for healing and for justice and righteousness that we want in the world and that we want in ourselves. So we don't put down the sinful people around us. We don't turn away from them. We don't see ourselves better than them. Instead, we're merciful because we know they're just like us. They're just like those people following Jesus. We're all just broken people that need Jesus to heal us. Some people try to show off their righteousness. You know those? Like they love for people to see their good works and how holy they are. Oh, I'm having this amazing moment with Jesus. Let me just get a quick selfie of that, right? Because I want everybody to know how pure and holy I am, but not us. We're pure in heart, and our only agenda is to know Jesus and to follow him. And so what do we do? We try to do what Jesus did. He made peace. Right? Jesus was a peacemaker. Jesus made peace between God and man at immeasurable cost to himself. So we try to do what Jesus did, and we follow his model as peacemakers, not demanding our own way or our ideas or what's best for us, but instead sacrificing ourselves and, and sacrificing what's best for us for the sake of peace and reconciliation and redemption. And then when we follow the model of Jesus in this broken world, when we try to make peace between people, when we try to make peace between people and God, we get what he got, which is persecution and betrayal and we're hated, and we're mocked, and we're lied about. But here's where it gets weird, because when that happens, when we're mistreated for following Jesus in this weird, like, upside-down kingdom of God, Matthew says we can actually be happy. We should be happy. What a weird thing to say, huh? When people lie about you and mock you and persecute, you should be happy. You should be happy, and we can because we know what it means eternally. It means, it means that his upside-down kingdom is coming, and it means we are blessed. We're the A-list now, right? His light is shining on us, just like those piles of trash in the art gallery, and he's revealing who we really are. We aren't just the broken insignificant, poor, ignored. We aren't just the ones who are humble and sad and poor and less than. We're God's children. The kingdom of God is ours. We will inherit our Father's kingdom, and there no one will be poor in any way, and there our hunger for righteousness and goodness and justice will be fully satisfied because the whole world will be following Jesus. And there we won't have to mourn anymore for this world because Jesus is going to make it perfect again. And we will experience his perfect purity in our own hearts and in everybody around us. And we will finally experience real, total peace between God and man and between all of humanity. So there'll be no more persecution. There'll be no more betrayal. Nobody mocking us. Nobody lying about us because everybody there will be a citizen of heaven. Everybody there will be reborn in the image of God and filled with his spirit. This is the gospel. This is the good news.
The Messiah has come. And he's bringing the kingdom of God with him. And it's going to be awesome. And you don't qualify for it by being rich or smart or pretty or powerful or popular or religious. And you don't qualify it for it by working harder on your poorness or your meekness or, or, or mourning more or trying to be persecuted more. Remember that Ephesians verse said, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You don't take credit for that. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we've done. We can't boast about it. God did it. And how did he do it? Look at verse 10. We're God's masterpiece. He's recreated us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. If you were in Christ, you're, you're qualified now. If you're in Christ, you're the A-list now because can, can you think of someone in history who completely personified these attitudes? Can you think of somebody who was poor and humble and who mourned and wept over the world's lack of righteousness? Can you think of somebody who was completely pure in heart and who had absolute mercy even when he was persecuted? Can you think of someone who was the ultimate peacemaker? It's Jesus. And when we, accept the, when we accept the gift of salvation, we make him Lord of our lives, we don't just clean up our acts, right? We're reborn in him. 1 Corinthians 5.17 says it's like we're a new creation. We're a whole new person in Christ Jesus. Colossians 2 tells us that we have all the fullness of Christ because we're in him. We have all the fullness of Christ because we are in him. We have his purity of heart. We have his humility and his mercy and his righteousness because we are in him. That's our qualification for the kingdom. That's, that's why we are the A-list because we are in Christ. So the Beatitudes aren't a list of the requirements to be good enough for heaven. They're a description of the blessings of living in the kingdom of God and their description of the A-list, of the people who will be there. And it's not rock stars or sports stars or religious stars. It's people that some people don't think are smart enough or healthy enough or successful enough or old enough or young enough or pretty enough or religious enough. It's the people that are broken and hungry and marginalized and humble and poor and see that they need Jesus and find themselves in him. The Messiah has come and he's bringing his kingdom and he's bringing it for us. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for coming to recreate what was decreated, to, to build your kingdom here and to restore what was intended in the first place in the Garden of Eden when everything was perfect, when, when God and man were really, truly together. Thank you for coming and being the image of God so that we can be the image of God. 
Thank you for coming and showing us what a perfect life lives, looks like so we can live a perfect life. Thank you for filling us with your spirit so that you can begin this work of making us more and more like you. Thank you for restoring your kingdom. And will you please remind us when we feel what those people felt like outcasts who were broken and sad and humbled and ignored and forgotten about. Will you please remind us that you've come for us. You've come to make us like you so that we are the A-list in the kingdom of heaven. Thank you, Jesus, for the truth of your word and thank you for the power of your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Sign up at one of those tables today before you go.